Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jar Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. The team doesn't care that he's a two-time Pro Bowler. Whoop-de-doo. That two-time Pro Bowler means nothing. That means nothing. If you come to me as an NFL executive and you try to tell me that Max Kellerman is a Emmy Award-winning television... Oh, that, okay, good for him. I can put anybody in that seat and we'll win an Emmy. That's the way the Cardinals are thinking. I can put anybody underneath the quarterback and they can go to the Pro Bowl. The best thing for him to do is negotiate behind closed doors, keep it all to himself. You will know if the team feels good about your client. I just caught the end of that. Is that Keyshawn talking about the Kyler Murray situation? That it is, yes. Yeah, see, I agree with him there, too. Don't you? Do you? Like, why is that a public? Yeah. No, yeah, I, I, don't, yeah I agree. Like, I think they're asking for the fight, right? They're asking for somebody to take sides. And honestly, I'm not sure fans are always taking the side of the player. I'm just not. A, and these situations, again, my, we talked about this earlier in the show. My first reaction was like, why is Kyler Murray, what has he done to deserve that? At least in the terms that this guy put it. Listen, we're in the business of ratings. I can tell you ratings, like, I can make ratings look good if you want me to. I'll find a way, <laughs> regardless of how they look. True. And so, to me, that's what his agent did. He's like, oh, yeah, plus three wins and plus three wins. It's like, and he looked terrible in a playoff game. That's when it matters. And he was terrible in November and December and January. Yep. That's when it matters. Like, that's when the guys make their money. That's when you make your money. And he was terrible. Just so, like Carson Wentz, your lasting thought on Kyler Murray is losing that playoff game ugly. Absolutely. And and the record shows, by the way. So um, that Kyler is really just like he's definitely not $40 million quarterback guy in the month of November and December and, and into January. I mean, that, that's what the numbers show. And so is Arizona now going to put out a thing in this long letter and say, we love Kyler, but look at him in November and December and – <laughs> you know, look at Aaron Rodgers and what he does for what he gets paid. You know, I mean, it's just I thought it was kind of silly that it went public. We talked about it earlier in the show. You can always go back and listen and subscribe uh, to the podcast, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Many of you already listening and watching on YouTube. But if you're not, uh, go subscribe to our YouTube channel and uh, you can listen back anytime. And, of course, we're everywhere. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch. Uh, you can listen to us on the stream, ESPN690.com. From Melbourne, Florida, and below, really, and south to Savannah and north. Savannah, Georgia, that is, in your car. Uh, and, of course, a bunch of different apps as well. So uh, there's always a way to find ESPN 690, even when we're on the road like today. We're in Indianapolis, Indiana. Beautiful day, by the way, up here in the Midwest. That's surprising. For the combine. Yeah, was, last time we were here, it was snowing Shocker. and cold. It was chilly this morning, but when we landed, the sun's out. It's fine. And it's supposed to get up to the upper 50s, low 60s tomorrow and uh, wow. Wednesday as well. So really a pretty nice uh, time so far at the NFL Combine here in Indianapolis. Uh, just an update on this end of things. Uh, I'll be here in the next couple of days. Uh, Austin Lane in Dallas. We talked to him earlier in the show. Uh, getting off a, another win last night in Dallas in the cage. Got a TKO. And so he'll be back in the studio tomorrow with Casey. Meanwhile, Casey is getting married this week. <laughs> yep. I, I kind of forgot about it. That's I right. mean, uh, hopefully you didn't. No, I got it locked in. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm locked in, been preparing uh, and by preparing, I mean I've been helping Amanda prepare for all the things she's had to do. 
um, in terms of setting it up. I've really done nothing. I'm not going to lie to you. So uh, we're prepared and we're ready to get this rolling on Sunday uh, afternoon. Are you nervous or will you be nervous? You got to be nervous. Everybody's a little nervous on wedding day. So it's funny you say that because like she's asked me that like twice a day for the last week. And at the moment, I'm not because I'm not worried to like speak. I think she's worried to like speak, like give vows or whatever. I got you. I'm not really scared to speak, if you will. I'm sure I'll feel nervous like when she's walking towards me type thing. Yeah. Um, But at the moment, not nervous. Um, yeah, you, that's 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 about right. I don't think you'd be too nervous like now and leading up, but by maybe when you get married on Saturday, uh, Sunday, Sunday. So Saturday night and definitely Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Uh, you you'll be a little nervous, but it'll be a lot of fun. You'll have a great time. Uh, that'll be very cool. And maybe we'll talk. Uh, maybe we'll give you some sage advice tomorrow before you go. Okay. Or maybe not. We'll see if Austin's up for that. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, Meanwhile, here at the Combine, it's really a dark day here. We're just here a bit early because we didn't want to miss anything tomorrow. Tomorrow's a big day for the Jags. Trent Bulky, Doug Peterson will be on the podium. We'll get a chance to talk to those guys. And then Wednesday is when the players start to go, like offensive linemen, running backs, defense. They have different groups each day. We won't be here for a lot of that. Uh, we're not staying for the long haul. Most of this Really, the reason I wanted to come to the Combine, we've done it in the past. It, there's there's a lot of good things to get. But for this specific year, it's really Doug Peterson's first active duty as a Jaguars coach. I mean, he's he was at a camp uh, on at Jags headquarters and stopped by and talked to some kids on Saturday. He's met with the media a couple of different times. But this is really his first NFL job that he's had with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that is to go start accumulating talent and help uh, Trent Baalke and the front office staff uh, find who they should pick in the upcoming NFL draft. And meanwhile, there's a lot of conversations going on about free agency and tagging, and Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson have made essentially their first move together, and that is bringing back Tyler Shatley to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tyler Shatley might have a lifetime lifetime contract with the Jags. (laughs) Seems like it. I mean, it's an incredible story, really. I, they should just give him a lifetime contract. I mean, he's been here since 2014. He's never officially been the starter. True. Yet he's played a ton of games, multiple positions, and he's a very valuable part of this franchise. And I actually like the fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars value a player like Shatley because I think even the fans have come to see how valuable he really is. It used to be a joke, like a punchline. Great, they're bringing Shatley back. Now I think the fans really see his value because, like I said earlier, he started 18 games in the last two years, Casey. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of games. And to your point, I think I he it is nice to see the franchise value a guy like that because he's been here a while. Like you said, he, he has seen it when it's good, and it's very rarely been good. But he has seen it when it's good, and he's obviously seen it when it's been bad. But on ter- in terms of football, I think – you can play center, you can play guard, and I think that's extremely valuable, especially after what you saw last year with A.J. Can, Brandon Linder, guys getting hurt all over the place. So he, he had value last year playing those positions. So I think when you couple what he's seen and what he knows about this organization with his value, I think it's a great move for the team to bring him back for, uh, I believe you said, another two years. 
Yeah, it's a two-year deal. It can work, uh, according to Tom Pelissero, uh, Jags won't release these kind of details, but Pelissero says uh, can earn up to $6.8 million, $2.5 million or so guaranteed, two point three five, I think it was. Uh, and the Jags have confirmed, by the way, uh, that the Tyler Shatley has been re-signed. Again, it will go down as like the first move um, for this, this new administration for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the domino effect is is this. Again, Tyler Shatley, good dude, awesome stuff. I mean, he's, he's now the most tenured guy along with Brandon Linder. But what does this do for Brandon Linder? Does it mean anything for Brandon Linder? Give us the contract update on Brandon Linder, Casey. Oh, yeah. So Brandon Linder, one year left on his deal that he signed in, at the time, a $50 million deal. But uh, Brandon Linder has one more year on that deal. He'll make $9 million with a roster bonus of 500000 The cap number, if they were to cut him, they would save all of that $9.5 million. Hmm. Do you think it means anything for Brandon Lender, or is this just, hey, we need depth, we got a depth guy, a couple million bucks guaranteed, maybe as much as $6 million. That's cost of doing business if you want to be pretty good on the offensive front. I, yeah, I think what it means for Brandon Lender in 2022, I think it means absolutely nothing. Uh, I think he'll be back. Um, but I, I do think it's interesting, the two-year deal obviously going forward, you might be considering what you will do after Brandon Linder's contract is up. Uh, I think, but I think it is the cost of doing business. And when you have a guy that's a good leader like that, you can't really afford to let him go. But I think Brandon Linder will be the center for the Jags because when you have the cap room, nine and a half million dollars, is it really worth it to cut? I know Brandon Linder hasn't played a lot of football. He seems to be hurt a lot, but when you have $50 million in cap room is 9.5. Really? Do you need that money back? Well, I'm going to give you – okay, I want to go a step further. I like where you're going with this. Uh, first of all, no, to answer your question, I don't think so. But I think there are a lot of people frustrated with Linder's inability to, to stay healthy. Um, probably nobody more than Linder himself. Uh, he's been a little snake bitten. When he's in there, he's very good. I think when he's in there, people will tell you he's Pro Bowl caliber good. And so he's a very valuable person. And, again – quietly has become a leader like he was a very quiet guy at first still is somewhat quiet but has shown more personality and leadership and not afraid to jump in front of the microphone and i think uh, i don't know if i want to use this or not if this is a good example or not but even urban buyer was like that was the uh, guy yeah. he leaned on or at least he said he did that's true a lot you know so i i think there's a valuable piece in play in that locker room and on that front with brandon linder so to get rid of that doesn't make sense, and I'll take it one step further in a moment, but first I want you to share with us, where is Brandon Linder on the highest-paid centers? Because when he signed that deal, if he wasn't the highest-paid center at the moment, he was darn close to it at somewhere around like $8 million a year. Well, that has certainly changed over time. He's way down the list. I want to say middle of the pack. So when you look at total value on the contract, Brandon Linder, as it currently stands, the current contract's, He's third in total value behind only Corey Lindsley and Frank Ragnow of the Chargers and the Lions, respectively. But when you go to the average per year, he is one, two, three, four, five, sixth on that list. The average uh, is 10.3, and the highest is 13.5. So he's still actually sixth, huh? Um, highest yearly, paid center yeah. in the league per year. That is correct. That's, that surprised me. I did not know he was that um, high. I thought he had slipped down even further. Okay, so... Give me the give me the price tags of the highest guys, if you don't mind. The top five. Uh, the top five. You're talking for yearly. Per year. Per year. Yeah. So thirteen and a half for Frank Ragnow. You have okay. twelve point five for Lindsley. You have twelve point four for uh, Ryan Kelly. 
J.C. Treader is making yep. 10.8, and then Ryan Jensen is 10.5. But that contract did expire, we know. Yeah, and some people want, like, the Jags to maybe go get Jensen, right? Yeah, if he continues to play, yeah. Well, true. Yeah, everybody's retiring over there on the offensive line, um, or Tampa in general. But uh, so, so here's my view on it. If we think and we take people's word and say, hey, Brandon Leggett, I always think the offensive line is a really hard thing to know unequivocally, okay, how good this guy is or not. You really have to trust people that know that position um, or the numbers or just so eye-popping that they're bad. Um, then then that's another way to tell. But we think Brandon Lender is good. The problem with Lender is staying healthy. Well, we think Tyler Shatley is more than an admirable backup. And so if you just signed a two-year, probably somewhere in the neighborhood, a $5 million deal that can get to $6.5 million based on incentives or something, that's like $2.5 million, let's just say, for Shatley. And you're talking about $9 million for Brandon Lender. Mm-hmm. So now you're committing $11.5 million to the center position where you feel like you don't have to worry about it. And you're going to get good play whether Linder stays healthy or not. So you see where I'm coming from? Like yeah. you, take, you take those top five guys – well, the Jags are probably investing top five money into their center. And they really feel like they've got a top five center in the league in Linder. The problem is, hasn't stayed healthy. Well, they have a pretty darn good backup and a very capable backup that they feel like he's not going to be Linder, but they can get really good play. And that is worth the combination of 11 to $12 million in salary, which would put them amongst the league leaders in terms of how much they're investing into that position. So... I think if you attack it from that standpoint, which, by the way, teams do that a lot. They'll say, how much are we invested in this position? We talk about individuals so much, but it's that position. And I think the Jags are invested nicely now, at least for 2022, in the position. And they get to see if Linder is really going to take off, stay healthy. Do we pay him more down the road? Or do we move on after this year? So I don't think the move for Shatley here does anything to impact Linder. That's my gut. Uh, it could, but I don't think so. I think the Jaguars don't want to open holes on a team that already has holes. And so if you think you're pretty good at center, regardless if Linder's healthy, but if Shatley plays too, then I think you feel pretty good about that position, the guy that's snapping it to Trevor Lawrence, and you move on to address other issues. And so I would say the Jaguars are all set now at center and don't have to worry about that position going into uh, free agency. And I would say the draft, but they could start to look at their future center in the draft if they like somebody in the third or fourth round, is my guess. Yeah. Remember, they got Brandon Linder in the third round. They traded up for him. I think he was picked number 65 out of Miami and uh, got a good player there. So you can do that. be very interesting to see how they treat the rest of the offensive line. But I've got a feeling the center spot is uh, locked up and okay in a hole that they are not going to try to force open with a team that already has plenty of them. You know what else about Brandon Linder? What you got? Probably the most avid and best fisherman on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, that's fair. Let's I mean, bring Logan our... Cook says what's up, but yeah. That's a good point. Uh, let's bring in our fisherman right now, Captain Rick Riles, uh, Florida Sportsman Fishing Report. Have you ever seen Linder out on the water, Captain Rick? No, I tell you what, I haven't, but oh my gosh, if I had... I had his checkbook and my desire to be on the water. I'd never come home, Brent. <laughs> I'd have my food flown out to me while I stayed offshore. I wouldn't want to be there today, though. Holy smokes, who brought wintertime back? We had such a lovely weekend. The ocean was calm. 
The fishing was fantastic. I was a little shocked to see the ocean slick yesterday because it blew northeast in the morning. It blew most of the night, blew northeast in the morning, and then very unusually, it dropped out to nothing. Here's what usually happens. It stays pretty strong out of the northeast, then goes strong out of the east, and then as it comes into the southeast quadrant, it falls out. But not Sunday. It laid out early, and Craig Sutton sure was glad. He made it out to the Gulf Stream, had a dozen big, fat mahi, had a bunch of kingfish, a very good day on the troll. Posting ashore, the bottom fish bit real well, too. The Jody Lynn fleet was out. They had good days on mutton snapper, good days on vermilions, and a handful of trigger fish. Redfish and trout bit all weekend, and I'll be surprised if this cool snap cools it off too much. I think if it gets nicer later in the week, those fish will fire right back up. But you can count on us keeping track of it with another fishing report tomorrow. Brought to you by CSS Landscaping, who's paying top dollars for top landscapers and workmen's fixed plumbing. Thank you, boys. Thanks, Captain Rick. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, Florida Sports and Fishing Report each and every day. And uh, listen to Captain Rick on Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. on ESPN 690 as well. How about this, Casey? Do you know that uh, Brandon Linder and Blake Bortles back in the day used to sometimes take his boat to the game on Sunday mornings. Really? Yeah, that's how they get to work. That is weirdly awesome. Isn't it? Yeah. I always wanted to go with them. That'd be so cool. And uh, I never you didn't get, get the it invite, worked huh? out. No, well, I, I talked to him about doing it, but Linder's pretty, Linder doesn't love the publicity stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, he's actually getting better, I think, about it in front of the microphone and everything. But And, of course, times were always a little bit, uh, when you when you have tumultuous times, that was a little harder sell too. Yeah, uh, I don't know if they did that more for practice, but I know they did it to a few games. Um, and so I talked to Linder about it in the past. I always thought that would be a really cool story, though. That'd be a lot that would be fun. cool. That's uh, so what a way to get to the game. I mean, by the way, you want to you want a selling point to free agents? You don't even have to. Yeah. Pay hey, how did you get to the game? Yeah, I took a boat. That is cool. I mean, that's kind of cool, right? It's a good little flex to have. I like it's that. a really good flex. So I love that. Uh, I, thought, I always thought that was kind of neat. Um, so the big story here, uh, again, Tyler Shatley is really the first move of the peterson bulky era, and I think it solidifies now the center position for the Jags. There's a lot of curiosity everywhere else, but I do think now they're solidified at center. I don't think this is a, oh, they're bumping Linder out. Oh, they're looking to the future. No, nah, he's got one more year. They're going to let him play this thing out, in my estimation, and then we'll see where it goes after that. Keep in mind, they could use a franchise tag if they wanted to even next year. They could extend it if Linder plays well. He's still a pretty young guy and has plenty of years left if he chooses. Um, and he's a good player. It's just about staying healthy and getting 16, well, now 17 games uh, in every season. Oh, we've got some slander amongst the national media on the Jacksonville Jaguars. What happened? I'll tell you when we come back. The latest goofball tweet. All right. Um, it's a good tease because I have no idea what you're talking about. I just saw it. That's coming up. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We're live from the NFL Combine. Indianapolis, Indiana. Stuff gets hot and heavy tomorrow. And uh, we'll be there inside uh, the convention center uh, when Trent Balky and Doug Peterson speak to the national media. Of course, we'll have a chance to catch up with those guys as well. So it'll be a fully loaded football show on Tuesday. We're not done here with football at 5. We'll be right back. I'll tell you the latest knucklehead talking about the Jaguars when we come back on ESPN 690.
looking at LeBron James play on the court, can we seriously sit here and look at him and find fault with how he has played? I can't. I've watched him all year long. And I'm not saying he's perfect every moment because, of course, he's not. But you talk about a dude that is playing hard, is going all out, and producing digits. 29, 6, and 7 at age 37 in his 19th season? Half the time without Anthony Davis? This is not the person that Los Angeles Laker fans should be booing. That is Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, it sure is. This is uh, Brent Martineau and Stuart Weber live at the NFL Combine. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch. You can see Stuart in there now. Yeah. Two shot. Two, two shot, shot, as we call it. We have. TV business. Uh, Casey Although, Kurtz back in the Action Sports Shack studios. Radio perspective. We're not setting it up quite as fancily as we would. No, but uh, you made this graphic, and we yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, threw that together. Yeah. It's kind of funny because we are right here. <laughs> yeah, we really are right we're literally here. right if you're watching in the video stream. Uh, we're right across the street from Lucas Oil Studio. Yeah, that's awesome. Good spot. You yeah. picked the hotel. Good travel agent. Do what I can. This time around. What's Andrew Brandt doing? Have you seen this now, Casey? No, I was waiting for you to tell me. I didn't want to spoil the surprise. I mean, come on. Like, so here's the tweet. All right. All this right. is, uh, let me find Your it. latest uh, Jaguar slander in the national media. So Andrew Brandt tweets like 20 minutes ago, four of the five teams chosen to host NFL international games this year are from the NFC. The conference that has nine home games. Last year, AFC had nine home games. So they still have eight home games, as they always have. Yep. The other team chosen was from the AFC. Of course, it was the London Jaguars. Yeah. Really? Lazy. Come on. Yeah, it's just... Like, that's like... It's just That's lazy. like, so, as the kids would say, 2016. There you yeah. go. You yeah. know? Who was it that tweeted, like, get back to me in 2022 when the oh, Jaguars yeah. are in London? Yeah, yeah, no, it's like, it really should have... I think their tweet was 21. 21. And... And then we got They back were to convinced. Them. I'm telling you, I went to a... I can't remember what Super Bowl we're at, man. I think it was the New York one. Okay. And so, Cold. you know, and I've always been Cold. on this, Cold. like, uh, I've always been... I don't buy it. Yeah. Right. First of all, I don't buy a franchise there. I've been around Shot enough to know that that's not what he's trying to do. I know it's a complimentary thing. There's money to be made. There's partnerships to be made. You don't have to like it, but I understood what they were going for and after. And by the way, there are a lot of teams since then that have wanted to go to London because they see the dollar signs, mm -hmm. quite frankly. And But there was somebody, and I want to say it was at the New York Super Bowl, and they told me they were like, so I don't know what year that would have been. We'd have to go back and look. They were like, this guy, and this was one of the guys in charge, I forget his name now, of the London stuff or close to being in charge of a lot of the London stuff for the like NFL UK or whatever they call it. And uh, it was like, it's happening. It's happening. And like by 20, I think he did say 2021. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not happening. Like, I just didn't believe it. And that was even the story. Like, that was some of the people, they were being told in London that that was happening. And this was however many years ago, probably a handful of years ago, six years ago now. And it didn't happen. And even if you wanted to say, well, because of the pandemic, it didn't happen. No, there's no nothing there's no like momentum. It. There's nothing no. for that to happen. In fact, now they're going to Germany and trying all these one-off things because that's where they're going to stay. And this was just this was just poking fun uh, because now some players and some coaches and some execs and some people around the league do view this as a disadvantage for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And especially when it came up about the two games. I was going to say, especially in this year, because uh, you mentioned it, the NFC teams had the extra home game. Yeah. 
Well, once they came up with that 17-game schedule, if you're the Jaguars, do you try to adjust your schedule to the point where you're hosting every other year to where you're at least getting eight home games every year? And that's fair. Like, if that's the criticism, yeah. I think that's a fair criticism and a curiosity. Because right. I will say this. We've been over there enough mm-hmm. uh, that there is no hard fact of saying the Jacksonville Jaguars have an advantage playing over there. You have new teams. You've had many new coaches, new regimes, and you've had mixed results. So it's not like... That some people used to think, hey, the Jags have an advantage. They've been over here three four years in a row. They know what to do. It, it's not the case. Yeah. They win sometimes. They lose sometimes. They get killed sometimes. They blow people out sometimes. We've had, like, we've had every type we've of We've had goal. a little bit of everything. Yeah. And so, but I do think it's fair to say, and that was really the curiosity with the Urban stuff. I thought Urban would have more pushback as a guy like who wanted to win, 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 do everything that's right for the players, 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 that he'd have more pushback. But that was probably a, something that he lost in the negotiation. Yeah. And listen, you're not moving this. I'll that's, give you the performance center, but you're not moving this game. The shot because, wasn't changing on that. Yeah, the, the dollars add up in a smaller market. Again, they have their reasons. Do I think you can be critical of their reasons? Yeah, I do. Uh, do I think players and, and people around the league can wonder if it's a um, competitive disadvantage? Yeah, I think you can. But it's happening. Also, and that's what happens. It's also 90,000 seats, butts and seats at over 100 pounds a pop. It's, it's, it's a big money it's maker. It's substantial. Right? And, um, uh, listen, Which, I'm, the way, I'm not a, here to spout off yeah, yeah. be a mouthpiece for London, London. Mark Lamping's, like, state of the franchise sure. presentations. But they, they tell you stuff, and I, listen, it's just an economics game. <laughs> and that's part of running a business. Um, it also, it. And it's here to stay. It is. It stands out to me that, so the Jags, we knew they were going back to Wembley, right? Yeah. The other two London games are at Tottenham Hotspur, which has at least 15,000 less seats in it than Wembley does. It's interesting to me that they're opting for that stadium instead of playing at Wembley. I know Wembley has the the Shad Khan ties for when he tried to purchase the thing. Well, and I think there was even like a little bit of a split separation with Wembley and the NFL, but there's no doubt I think feel like Shad wanted to get back to Wembley, yeah. which makes me wonder in the back of my mind, does he still have Wembley on his radar yeah. to buy? Remember, he's really close mm-hmm. to buying Wembley Stadium. Could he do that at some point? And by the way, that will only spur people like Andrew Brandt to wonder even more. But again, I think that's just part of his, hey, let's see if we can own a stadium here, and then I don't have to pay rent to play the game here yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Um, but who knows? Uh, I, I, another low blow by the national media guys. Andrew Brent there with uh, the London Jaguars. Certainly not happening. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, big news around high school football today, which is, in all honesty, very muddy. We don't know exactly how it's going to play out. And they've done something that I don't know why the places do it. I don't, I, I've yeah. heard of public is in one league and privates in another league and we've we've always wondered that by the way as a public school guy growing up in rhode island i was like they have a distinct advantage the 10 private schools why don't they just play in their own league like really wondered that uh and i think it's been wondered in every community that exists in high school sports uh over time and we have some tremendous programs in private school and in public school in the area and football and all sports but Today was a significant day in the landscape of Florida high school football where they've now changed from to metro and suburban 
divisions. Yes. And we still don't know how it's going to shake out, but that's the I, delineation. I have a pretty good idea. So, uh, you know, did some research on it. FHSAA voting today, by the way, 9-7, to seven, I believe, Close. was the vote. Yeah, this wasn't uh, a so slam dunk. It just barely was able to pass by where that's, you know, what they were able to decide upon. Uh, essentially, you're taking the eight most populous counties in the state of Florida. Duval being one of them. Duval, two in Tampa, two in Orlando, three in South Florida. So those, those are your eight counties. Those eight counties are going to comprise four classifications and be called the metro classification. So essentially saying you have a city, you're in a city, which we'll get to in a second why that doesn't completely work. Um, meanwhile, the rest of the state is going to be split into four classifications of suburban with the exception of 33 really small schools that are going to be in their own rural classification, mm -hmm. just to throw a whole nother. Uh, their own separate. Whole separate one, which might, I'm not 100% sure, but it might be like the Union Counties. Um, those, Basically look at Class 1A. Yeah, look at Class 1A. Some of the schools up here in North Florida that compete in 1A um, are breaking off into the rural. I'm not 100% sure if any of our locals are in it, but I feel like there might be one or two. We'll get back to that. The The weird thing, though, so this, you know, suburban thing. Take this, for example, all right? Baldwin High School. What do you think they're going to be in? Uh, they would, well, they're in Duval. So they're in the metro. Yeah. So they're probably going to be 1A metro, the smallest of the metro, yeah. and compete against University Christian, Trinity Christian, and schools like that, these... But that's not the nature of why they did that's this. That's not... I'm saying... This They're going to be a loser. This is that. a bad example of, yeah. of how it's not going to work. Whereas a Bartram Trail is in St. John's County, not one of the eight most populous counties for now. For now. For now. St. John's uh, County is a big winner in uh, this today, probably. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't have to play teams from Miami, Orlando, Tampa, or Jacksonville in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge gain if and you're talking about it. It's, you could probably make the case, maybe there's some Sarasota City, too, that's probably yeah, I, the biggest of the non-metro cities. I was reading Pinellas, Pinellas County is kind of getting the, okay. getting messed over on this, too, okay. because it's a lot of retired folks there. So the numbers might be high as far as population goes, wow. but as far as high school students go, you're not talking quite as many in Clearwater and out there on the beach in the Tampa area. So Pinellas County is going to have some issues with it. Um, and shoot some of the ones in Duval. I mean, we're like I said, Baldwin. Baldwin is the perfect example, yeah, by the way, example. of one that's technically in Duval County because our county uh, in Jacksonville is it's the entire, massive. you know, the massive county uh, where they're gonna they're gonna face some issues there. I wonder if I could. Uh, I wonder if this could ever be the case. Could Baldwin petition out of? Yeah, it? that's that's a good question and and one they don't have an answer to right now because yeah. you know it's new like this morning. And that's that's why a lot of the negative votes towards this were saying, let's wait, let's figure it out, let's push it back a year or two, and that way we can have a fully fleshed out plan. Um, but yeah, they, they passed it, and so that's going to happen this fall. It's going to be a little trial and error here. Yeah, they, they didn't want to, like, one of the things they could have done is push it down the road six weeks and vote again, but you're talking about high school football schedules for this fall already coming together now. Uh, they usually come out in March and April is when you finalize those things. So to to have to wait that long to make your schedule would be would be tough. So two big question marks. Yeah. Well, one big fact here. Why is this happening? And most of the reason this is happening because over 80 percent and closer to like 80, 88 or 89 yeah. percent of the state championships being won are from the the metro. These eight counties. The, those big counties. Yeah. And so they've they've got a grip on the high school football scene, and it's like nobody else really 
feels like they have a chance to win titles. Like, so you're really playing to hopefully make the playoffs and that's it, right, in, in essence. And so this will hopefully level out a playing field is the idea uh, behind it. But what, there's a whole point system that just got put in place in, in Florida high school athletics yeah. in all sports. Does, do we know if it impacts that yet? We'll schedule it because what we loved about high school football since that came out is the scheduling has been awesome. I, I still think that you'll go with that RPI system and, and probably districts of some sort. Now, it might be more like it was in the lower classifications where you might have teams in a region that you're advised to play, but you don't have to play. Like, that's what it was in the lower classifications. There were no districts yeah. uh, the past few years. Yeah. Uh, so you... you end up in the playoffs against the teams in your region, but you didn't have to play them in the regular season. So we'll see how that all shakes out because you're talking about some big distances having to be traveled, and who knows like what classification these teams are getting put in. It's interesting that there's no split between private and public. Uh, some states do it that way. They'll split up private and public into, into different classifications. Like California does it like sectionally. Like you'll have teams from some parts of the state that never play teams from other parts of the state, even for state championships. Just because that's the way their system is. So, there was one quote out of there actually yeah. I saw that it said like we're going to end up like California if you don't. And if that you was don't obviously make some a negative connotation. Yeah. I've heard that the folks out in the Panhandle and Tallahassee area are the ones really pushing this because they just hit a roadblock eventually, they and they've got good football. Listen, yeah. there are a lot of places that have really good football that you end up hitting a roadblock in. Well, it was like uh, uh, FSU High School, which. You've, you've harped on how can you name yeah. a high school? Florida high State school, University High School. It makes no sense to I me. I think but students there are part of the it teaching is. staff. It is. Somebody I, explained it to me. It's yeah, like a teaching it, school. Yeah, in conjunction with. Sure. I uh, get it. But, but the last, name it something different. The last three or four years, they've run into the state championship team late in the playoffs and lost to them every time because it's a private school, be it Trinity or Shamanamadana. Like, they keep yeah. running into the exact same schools year after year who then go on and play in the, in the state championship. Well, I have mixed feelings on it because yeah. – one, you, the thing I love about Florida, I'm a Rhode Island guy, we don't have sports this good up there. And so, like my kids playing high school sports, I know when you're playing the private schools, you're, you're playing the best of the best because there's a lot of accumulation of talent at some of those schools. So you're playing some of the best kids in the area or best teams in the state. And by the way, sometimes that lands in public schools. I mean, Stoneman Douglas is one of the best baseball programs in the country year after year. It's a public school. And so... I mean, we'll see what Bartram has this year loaded up, right? So you can be public school and be very good. We've seen plenty of that. The other part of it is, does, isn't it really neat when a team does push through and wins a state championship or gets really deep? There's something special to about it when it you're a public yeah. school. We've said that about Reigns when they finally uh -huh. broke through again to win public school state championship. We just Andrew, said about Fletcher, yeah. Fletcher in girls' soccer. soccer. It was a huge story on Friday. And so, and important to note, this is only for football. This is only for football. Only for football. Yeah. So just keep that in your head. So I wonder if it will, you know, it kind of takes away that Hoosiers feel of yeah. high school sports when you, make, when you do it this once-in-a-50-year thing. Yeah. But I also understand trying to – you always want to have a chance when you start the year. And there are many schools that really – we know it. We look on paper like, well, this is the end of the road for them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so do you like this – my problem with this is it's complicated, yeah. it sounds like. Like, it, go ahead and, and give me – if you wanted to tell me 50 cities in Florida or towns – and then tell me, I'm the one that's supposed to say, are they metro or suburban? I'll be like, I don't know. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, like, so are we confusing it? Or would it be better to just delineate by private public? It's really tough, and you mentioned it earlier when we brought up the Baldwin example. you got to have some sort of petition. You know, you had that in the past where if you were a small team but you've, you, know, you knew that your roster was good enough, you'd want to play up a little bit. You'd want to play up to a higher classification. We've seen it with Trinity Christian in the past to do that and, and go win state championships. If you're, if you're a team like Baldwin, you have to be able to petition to not be in, the, in that metro classification. You know, yeah, and I, don't, I hate to keep using the same school example, but it's well, a, a great, perfect example. Yeah, it is a good example. Um, and and the teams in St. John's County, they should be in Metro. Yeah, they should. Quite honestly, yeah. They're, I mean, they're some of the biggest schools in the area, in yeah, the state by size for sure, and and talent lately too. I mean, they're because well, people accu- migrate there too, accumulating a lot of talent because people want to live there. And that was really one of the things too. Like if yeah. you listen to this, it was that people are going and flocking to the same schools. Well, that also happens, by the way, at the private schools, right? I mean, how many people at Trinity Christian, with all due respect, they have a great program, but they get a ton of talent in there <laughs> in football, and so uh, from all over, and uh, that's just the way it goes. But um, I, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. They've really tinkered with a lot of things. I've been here 14 years, and the FHSAA is really tinkered with Not afraid with of changing it up a little bit. They're not. Yeah. They're a little NASCAR-ish. Yeah, that's right. NASCAR will change week to week. But I'm not sure they've landed on anything, and part of the reason yeah. they're not because you never can make everybody happy. Yeah. One of the uh, folks at the meeting apparently used the, the Coach Napier uh, quote. That. Yeah. Scared money don't make money. Yeah. So, you know, hey, we, we'll never know what, what difference it'll make if we don't try it. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's kind of the point there, and we'll see. I they mean, were about to reclassify. If it, do, if it doesn't too, work, right? you just go back. That's a, yeah. If it doesn't work, if it's a, make it a two-year case study. If it doesn't work, you just go back to the other way. And I'll, I'll tell you this, too. Like, it's not permanent. I just mentioned reclassification. Yeah. The schools in, in Florida is growing so quickly, yeah. and especially places like Jacksonville. The classifications have to be separated, like, a lot. Yeah. Because every it's so fluid. It's funny because my previous market was half Georgia, half Alabama. And at least especially with Alabama, but also to an extent with Georgia, Alabama wasn't changing. It was the exact same teams in the exact same districts every single year. Like, and, and it's really interesting how they do their districts, and it's perfectly even. And it's because there's no more new schools there. Yeah. Like, even the big cities they, aren't really growing. You know, it's, the same, it's yeah. Alabama. They're staying the same. Yeah. Not here. Not the nope. state of Florida. Florida. We're booming around, and so is the new system. We'll see how it works. It's now metro and suburban. That's Good the luck plan. putting together that bracket in the fall for that. Can't Sports wait. All right, Coming we'll up in Metro 4A. Uh, we wrap it up from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, Indiana, here on ESPN 690 when we get back. Aaron Rodgers has done a lot more in this league than Kyler Murray. There's no doubt about that. But it's also a matter of leverage. And in Aaron Rodgers' case, the alternative for Green Bay, if they weren't going to acquiesce to his demands, was turning to Jordan Love. And clearly that franchise wasn't prepared to do that. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at the Kyler Murray situation, what 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 are the Cardinals' alternative to Kyler Murray being their starting quarterback? That's the big question that I have because, yeah, I get it. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the conference, he might be one of the best, if not the best quarterback in the National Football League. But when we start power ranking the quarterbacks in the NFC, how far down the line is Kyler Murray? Yeah, probably hit double digits. Is that your guy, Chris Canty? Yeah, you better believe it. (laughs) You got to get him in once the show. Oh, got to. Got to. Never uh, once won't. March Madness hit early. How about that weekend? 
Oh, yeah, no, that was nuts. Yeah, no, that, that was crazy, man. I think that should just tell you if you uh, if you have a set winner for your bracket, you might want to change that because it's not who you think it's going to be. You know, you know, there's always that one weekend in college football, at least one. Sometimes there's two that everybody loses, and you're like, whoa, it was upset weekend. Like, it always happens. Like, that was very reminiscent, where eight of the top ten teams played, and two of them played each other, so it was really like eight out of the nine. And then uh, six of the top six, the top six teams in the country. It's nuts. All lost. Yeah. I the So that would have been Thursday. I went on OT with Brian, and I was pretty much spouting off about one team that I thought was super good. I'm not repeating it because I said I'm only saying it once. They're my pick to win, and they were one of the teams that lost. So now I'm just like, well, crap. Yeah, well, it is a little bit. This is where it's totally different than football, where it doesn't upset the apple cart that much. Right. Because you can lose in college basketball. Like, it's it's actually okay. Um, Gonzaga, by the way, stays number one. Arizona, two. Baylor uh, up seven spots to number three with their wow. win over Kansas. And they, they were in the top three earlier in the year. Duke up three spots. They're up to number four. Auburn down. They've, they've been losing a couple games, but they're still 25-4. and four. Kentucky lost. Uh, they moved down a spot. I'm sorry, Kansas and Kentucky both uh, moved down a spot. Purdue and the Providence Friars back in the top ten, baby. Oh, good. Well, I'm surprised, Austin, and I don't have any money on this. Wisconsin's number ten in the country. Yeah. Of course, they're getting in fights with people. Well, yeah, so that they should are knock them that. down a few spots. But uh, wild, wild week. I'm trying to think of the biggest dropper. Purdue dropped four. Villanova, Texas Tech dropped three. UCLA down five spots, down to number 17. Jeez. How about that? I mean, that's a team that had, like, everybody back from that run. Murray State even lost, down three. Uh, But they're still 22nd in the country. Everybody dropping. So, yeah, everybody's dropping. So it's pretty wild. Except Baylor. Hey, tomorrow is, is... March 1st, March Madness has arrived. It's crazy. Uh, here for, and uh, what a prelude that was uh, go from the weekend coming off um, what we just also, saw. Also, how about that shot from Matt Cleveland to win it for FSU? Oh, yeah. That was unbelievable. Nasty. Crazy. That really was an incredible shot because, like, he's still fading away right now. Fade, like, <laughs> yeah. not really fading away, but, like, he was going sideways. Yeah, it was As nuts. he shot that. Like, if he had squared up, he would have missed. <laughs> no, it's true. It was a crazy turn of events. Like, if you watch the game, it was back and forth, and FSU has literally nobody that started the season playing for them except Matt Cleveland, and he started the season on the bench. And if you weren't watching the game and you just saw the shot, FSU takes the lead with a couple seconds to go. Matt Cleveland makes a layup. They then call the timeout. Virginia inbounds it, and FSU just has a total defensive breakdown. They inbound the ball. Dude runs straight up the court to the free throw line, unguarded, untouched, hits a jumper, and it looked like it was over. And then Matt Cleveland hits that shot. It was insane. Well, the great, the, what's too bad for Florida State is they have been banged up so much. They're irrelevant right now. Yeah. And all they really did was probably spoil Virginia's chance to go to the tournament. Hey, but um, something. But, yeah, but, I mean, it, it would have been really cool if that was, like, in the middle of trying to get to the tournament or yeah. if they had a chance, you know, would have felt some magic there. But just a nice moment and a pretty lost season, really, for FSU basketball. First one in a long time, too. Leonard Hamilton's reaction was one of, well, no reaction. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> I don't know how you stay so calm in that moment. Like, it's just incredible how you can be that calm. He's good at and it. coach a game of any kind. I don't understand. Uh, so anyway, here for him tonight, of- by the way, coming up 7 p.m. 
All right, good stuff. Uh, yeah, inside uh, Seminoles basketball, and that is after your show, Action Sports Jacks OT. It is you and uh, Brian Middleton coming up right now. We are live at the combine. We'll hand off to Casey and Brian, and we'll be back tomorrow, three o'clock. On ESPN 690, you'll hear from Trent Baalke. You'll hear from Doug Peterson. So hopefully some more information. Uh, the news today from the Jags, really the first move made by this administration, Tyler Shatley is coming back to the Jacksonville Jaguars on a two-year deal. Meanwhile, at the Combine, things really get going tomorrow. It's been a dark day. Everything gets going tomorrow and through the rest of the week. The one bit of news that we have, the guy that has been mocked a bunch to the Jacksonville Jaguars, Evan Neal from Alabama, he is not going to work out here. He's going to work out his pro day. Still here uh, doing some of the events like interviews and, and medicals like a few other guys like Stingley and, and a couple others. And that could be a trend as we continue on with this week. We'll see more tomorrow, though, from the Midwest, Indianapolis, Indiana, the place to be. And we will be here tomorrow. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. More TV coverage. I'll be live on Fox 30 in about uh, an hour. And then uh, we'll have some, a report tonight as well on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Casey, have a good show. Austin Lane back tomorrow as well. We'll get the gang together Tuesday from the Combine on ESPN 690. But first, coming up next, it's Action Sports Shack's OT with Casey and Brian right after this. Yeah.